The Apocalypse of Jesus Christ. The unveiling of Jesus Christ. You know, as we move through this letter, I want to continually remind us of what the central theme of Revelation is. I think it would be real easy to get caught up in some of the things that we're going to see, some of the things we're going to read, some of the things we're going to talk about. It would be, be real easy to, to get caught up in all of that and, re, and forget what the central theme of Revelations is supposed to be, and that is the revealing of Jesus Christ. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a present and a future biography of Jesus Christ from the Father to Jesus Christ that was given to John that was to be shown to the church or to be shown to us. So listen, if you're looking for anything more than that, if you're looking for anything more than just a revelation of Jesus Christ, I'm afraid you're going to be terribly disappointed. Because that is going to be my focus and that is going to be my thing. I'm telling you, I had a revelation when I read that, when I studied that, when I looked at that. I had a revelation about the book of Revelation. And that is that the book of Revelation is about nothing more than Jesus Christ and who he is. And it is a revealing of all of his characteristics, those that, that you might not find in the Gospels, those things that you might miss in the study of the Gospels, because he came as a lamb. And in the book of Revelations, he's coming back as a lion. And so I'm excited about that. And, I, and, and my goal is to keep focus, is to keep aim and, and to hit the bullseye of, of what Revelation is, is about, and that is about Jesus Christ. And who better to reveal to us who Jesus is other than God the Father? And as I said, this is his biography of his son. And he says, I am giving this to my son. This is my gift to him because of his obedience, because of his willingness to follow my will, his willingness to do what I called him to do. And as I find these nuggets of truth about this book, it's hard for me to pace myself. I was telling Jay that out on the porch earlier. I said, as I, as I kind of look ahead and I start studying some of the things, and man, I just want to push forward because there's some good things in here. There's some really neat things that I've already begun to find, and I'm just excited to get there. And I'm like, okay, calm down, take a deep breath. Patience, grasshopper. And... uh so here it is, it's Sunday afternoon on the Isle of Patmos, and John is having his own little church service, his own little Bible study, and as he's sitting there, he's interrupted by God himself, and he turns around, and he sees a vision, and I am so ready to dive into this vision. But before we get into that vision, there are a few things that we need to cover before that. Um, so I got to thinking, last week we covered three verses. And uh, this week we're going to cover about three verses. So if my math is correct, I figure we've got about eight to eight and a half years worth of messages in the book of Revelation. If we keep this pace. It's going to take us about eight years to get through Revelation. Now, that, that's including Christmas and Thanksgiving and, 
you know, Easter and all the other messages that are going to kind of fill in the gaps. And so somewhere about eight years, I figured that uh, I got to think and I thought, well, maybe for my 60th birthday, I could finish the book of Revelations. I think that would be great. Um, no, I know it looks bad and I know we're kind of starting out slow, but there's going, we're going to pick up pace once we start getting into some of the visions. And, and right now, I'm just, we're just really taking it step by step. Um, our message is going to be just a little bit shorter today because next week we're going to get into some really descriptive things about Jesus Christ. And I didn't want to get, ha- I want to do it as a, as a whole unit. I want to do the whole thing. So today we're just going to kind of look um, through verses 4 through 7. And, uh, and then next week we'll take off from 8 and go from there. But it'll get, it'll get a little quicker. So uh, just bear with me as we kind of do these introductions. So Revelations chapter 1. Verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him which loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. To the seven churches. Now, I don't know sometimes if people realize this, but Revelation was written as a letter to seven very real, very specific churches that were in Asia, in modern Turkey. Seven churches, the Holy Spirit had told John to write these things down and to give these letters to the seven churches. Now, it falls right in line with the letters that was written to the individuals by Paul, which was Titus and, and First and Second Timothy and Philemon, these were all written letters to individuals. And then you have the letters that was written to specific churches. You had Galatians. To the Galatians was, was written to the church at Galatia. Ephesians was, was written to the church at Ephesus. First and Second Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth. Um, Galatians was written to the church at Galatia, Philippians to Philippi, Colossians to Colossae, Thessalonians uh, to Thessalonica. All of those were letters that were written to very specific churches. And so here in Revelations, it was written to the seven churches in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And we're going to look at each one of those churches individually. And we're going to look at their problems and their blessings and the things they did right and the things they did wrong. We're going to look at the the cities in which they live at. We're going to look at them in detail. But these were seven churches. So you know what that meant? That meant that John had to write the book of Revelation seven times. You ever thought about that? Seven letters. There were seven representatives, seven pastors that came from those churches to John and received those letters to each one of those churches. 
And we complain about reading it once. And yet he wrote seven letters to seven churches. And so he starts out with the standard greeting that you find in a lot of these, these letters. The standard greeting, John, to the seven churches were, grace be unto you and peace. But then the grace and the peace, he gives credit to who credit is due. He says grace and peace first, and he talks about the, the, the triune God. He talks about the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And he gives a description of each one of those in starting out. From God the Father, he describes him as which is, which was, and which is to come. Now listen, although Jehovah is timeless, he is described for our benefit as past, present, and future, which speaks of the eternal one. It speaks about him being eternal. From, the, from eternity past to the present to eternity future, that is our God. I mean, three times, I, I'm sorry, time was created when man was created or when God began to create in Genesis 1. That's when time started. Genesis 1, 5 says, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. That's when time started. Right then. Up to that point, there was no need for time. But this is the thing. We as human beings are limited on time. We have to have time to regulate our daily lives. We have to have time so that we know as our time is drawing near. We have to understand that. Time was created because we only have so much time in this life on this earth. Psalms 90 verse 10 says, As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years. Or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Our lives are limited, and so therefore God gives us a, a something to look at, something that we can regulate our lives. Just look at any obituary. And what do they say? It is measured by time. I looked at one this morning. As a matter of fact, you talked about Jackie Cornelius this morning. I looked at his obituary this morning. It said he was 74 years, 8 months, and 6 days old. That's how his life was measured. 74 years, 8 months, and 6 days. And when you pass from this life, your life will be measured by the time that you had in this life. And God, he says that God the Father is the source of all grace and peace in this life. How many of you believe we could use a little peace right now? We need a little peace right now. Have you ever seen such panic over a virus? I mean, seriously, have you ever seen such panic over a virus? 2 Timothy 1.7, and, I, and, and I, I regress for a moment. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. 
Fear causes us to do irrational and fearful and, and selfish things. Like buy every stinking roll of toilet paper in every store from every state in the union for a virus. Listen, I don't need toilet paper for the corona, but I did eat Mexican yesterday. Just saying. It causes you to do crazy things. You would think that this was some kind of zombie apocalypse the way people are acting. They're locking themselves away. They're, they're afraid to go. I mean, they're canceling everything, that's all sporting events and all music events, and they're closing our schools. And they're, I mean, it's just it's insane. They're recommending that churches close their doors. Are you kidding me? This is where I want to be when the zombie apocalypse happens. I want to be right here in this church. Listen, a little common sense goes a long ways. If your system is compromised because of cancer or other illnesses, then yes, you don't need to be around sick people, period. If you're sick, you don't need to be around people either. A little common sense goes a long ways. Do you realize that if you catch the corona, you have a 97% chance of surviving? 97% chance. Do you know what the survival rate of an accident in a car running 70 miles an hour is? Almost non-existent. And yet we do it every single day. We climb in our car, we head off down the highway, we go to Springfield, we're running somewhere around 70 miles an hour. You realize if you wreck, your chances of survival are almost none. Even with all of our modern technology, with the, the, the airbags and the seatbelts and everything, our bodies have not kept up with that technology. They said at, at a 70 miles an hour in an accident, you will experience somewhere around 26 uh, G-forces. At that, it says that it will start ripping your intestines from its lining. Your chances of surviving are almost none. And yet, every day, we climb in those cars and we head off down the highway and we never bat an eye. And yet, a little virus shows up that has a 97% chance you're going to live through it and we go into panic mode. Sorry, I go back. <clears throat> he says, from the seven spirits. Well, no, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought there was only one Holy Spirit. There is. There's only one. This is one of those times that you have to understand what seven means. And to the seven spirits, this is, speak, this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. And can anybody tell me what, the sev what seven means? What, what does seven mean in the Bible? Completeness, yes. This is speaking of the completeness of the Holy Spirit. Number one, he says, you have the Father who is eternal. You have the eternality of our God, and he will give us and he will bless us with peace and with grace. He says, we have the Holy Spirit who is full, who is complete, who has all of that, will also give us grace and peace. And we're going to see it more times. 
Jay come to me this morning asking me about the seven spirits. I said, brother, you're getting on my message this morning. You need to calm down. Take a deep breath. He's as bad as I am wanting to get ahead here. <laughs> and then he begins to speak of Jesus Christ. So we have the Father, the eternal Father. We have the complete Holy Spirit. And now we look at Jesus Christ. First one, he calls him the faithful witness. The faithful witness. What is a faithful, faithful witness? He is the one that always tells the truth. The faithful witness is the one that always tells the truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the truth. Not only do I tell the truth, but I am the truth. He is the truth, and everything about him is true. And then it says he is the firstborn of the dead. The firstborn of the dead. Now listen, this doesn't mean that he was the first to be resurrected, right? We know that. Any study inside of Scripture, we find that there are actually many that were raised before he was raised. We've seen Elijah raise a young man. We've seen Elijah raise Elisha, Elijah. Each one of them raised a boy. We see those that were raised from the dead. Jesus raised several from the dead during his time upon the earth before he was risen from the dead. Paul raised a young man who fell out of the window because of his long-winded preaching. Aren't you glad you don't have to sit on the windowsill? I would have lost half of you a long time ago. So, if it is not speaking about him being the first to be raised from the dead, the word that is translated firstborn there, it means he is the most important to be raised from the dead. He is the most important to be raised from the dead. And then it says, he is the prince of the kings of the earth. Listen, this shows us Jesus is in complete control of all the affairs of the earth. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the most important to ever have been raised from the dead. He is in control. When people think that everything is out of control, Jesus Christ, he is in control. He is the King of all kings. He is the one who holds the title deed to the earth. We're going to see that in our study of Scripture. He is a name that is above every name. Philippians 2 and 9 through 11 says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. He gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He has a name above every name. And John says that he too grants us grace and peace. So we have the eternal Father, we have the complete Holy Spirit, and we have the King of Kings, 
and they grant us grace and peace. And then John says, not only that, not only does he give us grace and peace, but he has released us from our sins by his blood. That refers to the atonement. The atonement means to make things right that were wrong. That's what the word atonement means, to make things right that were wrong. And God said, listen, without the shedding of blood, there is no atonement for sin. There is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Hebrews 9.22 says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleaned with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Plain and simple, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. What we are looking at right here with Jesus Christ is the gospel. And to those who will accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, Jesus came to be their substitute on the cross. To pay their price for their sin. Now, the King James says that he made us kings. Every other translation, if you have any other translation here, it says that he made us a kingdom, which makes more sense. He made us a kingdom. He is our king, therefore we have a kingdom. We are a part of his kingdom. When we enter into salvation, we become citizens of God's kingdom with Jesus as our king. Colossians 1.13 says, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and they scatter. <laughs> For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son of the the son he loves. So Colossians 1:13 says when you become a Christian you are brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We are all a kingdom. And then finally he says that he has made us priests. This simply means that we have direct access to the Father. The priest was always an intermediator between man and between God. And Jesus Christ, by dying upon the cross, tore the veil from top to bottom, from God down to man, so that we too have the ability as priests to come directly to the Father, to bring our needs to the Father, to bring our hurts, to bring our pains to the Father. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that you don't have to meet me somewhere in a dark room and tell me all your sins so I can take them to the Father? Because I'm a terrible gossip. It'd be awful. Your your stuff would be all over town. I'm just telling you. I'm really not. (laughs) I'm just kidding, guys. But I'm thankful that I don't. I'm thankful that I have a direct line to the Father, that I don't have to go through man to get to the Father. That Jesus Christ, by the shedding of his blood, gave us that direct contact with the Father. And listen, for that we worship God. For that 
we give him all the glory. And this is the way I want to end this service today. We are going to read the last part of verse 6 together. <clears throat> Look at verse 6 again. And the part I want to read as a church together is the part that says, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're going to read that as a church. We are going to give him glory because of what he has revealed to us today and because of all the blessings and the peace that we have received from the eternal Father, from the complete Holy Spirit, and from the Son who shed his blood for us. Are you guys ready? The last part of verse 6. And here we go. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Father, thank you for this revelation. And God, it, it feels like we've just kind of got a slow rolling start. But God, I know that once things start happening, it's going to feel out of control. It's going to feel almost chaotic and so, God, I pray that you prepare us. You prepare our hearts, God. There are visions. There are things that are coming. God, we're going to see things. We're going to see uh, uh, dragons. God, we're going to see fire. We're going to see brimstone. We're going to see angels. God, it's going to be an exciting time as we continue this study. But, God, my prayer is this, is that we don't lose focus. As exciting as it may be. May we always go back to Revelation 1. Revelation 1, 1. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And may we never forget that. And now, Father, as we conclude this service, God bless those, God, that have come out this morning. I pray that their cup runs over today. Go with them, keep them safe on the roads. Keep them safe from any viruses, God, that are out there. And bring us all back once again as we continue to study your word. And we ask all these things in Jesus' very precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.